my prayer is that God would just inundate us today with this word because I, I want to share something with you, or Holy Spirit rather, you know, when we hold on to things, we impede our own progress. So you want to get to the place where you're trusting whatever the enemy throws your way, whoever he uses, that you entrust it with God. See, when you entrust issues and hurts and pains with God, now you tap into God's enabling power. No, no, I'm going to show you by the word. What happens, minister, is that his grace is activated now. And that's what causes some of us to rise above stuff that you thought was going to take us out, that everybody thought that I wouldn't make it. No, how can you do that? Because of trusting God. And his grace empowers me to do what I do. This is the word of God. That's a part of your worship. And we have been talking in the past weeks about true worship. Someone say true worship. See, there's a difference between worship and true worship. What we don't have a lot of in the body of Christ is true worship. True worship is when I worship God in spirit and in truth. When I worship God in spirit and in in truth, when there's true worship, not only do, do I offer everything to God, but it is a life lived, led by the Spirit. It is a life that submits to the truth of God's Word. Are you with me? Write this down for a subheading. A wounded worshiper. A wounded worshiper. And you do not want to be a wounded worshiper. Unfortunately, what we have in the body of Christ today are a lot of wounded worshipers. And I'm going to explain this in a second. You don't want to be a wounded worshiper because you do more harm to yourself than to those who you think hurt you or hurt you. Now, Real quickly, some things that we've ascertained thus far, we know that God is seeking those that will worship him in spirit and truth. We found this in John 4, 23. We're also seeing that God desires, say God desires community worship. We've seen that in Hebrews 10, 25. Then to the last place we left off when we talked about true worship, we said that God sets the members in the body as it pleases him. That's found in 1 Corinthians 12, 18. Let's go there. Amplify. Say, God chooses my place of worship, not me. See, we choose places out of our flesh. Oh, the music's good. Oh, I love the sanctuary, whatever it may be. All those things, there's nothing bad with those things in and of themselves. But you want to be in the place where God has called you to be. See, you can be somewhere where there is an anointing, but the anointing there is not for you. I, make a rec- I hear what you're saying. It's a good message, but there's no breakthrough that, 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 that God desires because there is no anointing on that house for me. You want to be where there is an anointing for you. I don't believe that. Well, do you remember uh, in the Word of God, there was this young lady who was bound by the enemy? And she was a daughter of Abraham. 
is she went to the synagogue or today a place of worship. She was bound for 18 years. Now, I don't know how long, the Bible doesn't specify how long she was going. Perhaps she was going all the 18 years. I don't know. But one thing we do know, she was bound. And it wasn't, daughter, until the anointing, talking about Jesus, showed up that she was loosed. And I'm saying that you can go somewhere 18 years and not experience breakthrough because there's no anointing there for you. Then just as soon as you hear from God, the first Sunday, you get what you've been trying to get for 18 years. Why? Because there's an anointing there for you. So God chooses. That's why when you get to the place in the age of understanding, it may not, I may not, God may not want me to stay where mama and them, where we've always worshipped traditionally. No, the home church is where God calls you to be. Oh, y'all, come on now. We're talking about the word of God. See, already, sometimes we let our flesh get in the way. But if you, beloved, if, if you want to excel in this thing we call life as a believer, it's imperative that you inquire of Holy Spirit as to where you want to be. Now, let me tell you up front, you may not like the pastor. Why? He may be too short. He may be too tall. He may be too light. He may be too dark. He may be whatever. But if that's where God called you, I'm going to have to learn how to like him or her. Just like I didn't choose my earthly parents. You had no, no, no. God chose. Same thing spiritually. God chose. He might be of a, a Caucasian ethnicity. If that's where God called you, that's where you go. And we got it mixed up. Whites worship with the whites. Blacks worship with the blacks. It may be a little sprinkle here or there. No, no. You need to be where God has called you. Whether he's white, yellow, blue, brown, or green. Or she. You hear? Someone say, God chooses. Not me. <clears throat> now, why is this important? Because the place where God chooses you to be, daughter, there's something of great value that you add to the success of that ministry. Everybody has something to add. There are no big eyes and no little U's. And let me tell those of you who are behind the scenes, the Word of God says, listen, we bestow a greater honor on you. Because without you, those of us who are, in the, are the face of the ministry, we couldn't do it without you. So there's no need for anybody to be threatened, anybody to be intimidated, because we know as long as we're all working together, where the head goes, the toes will follow. But now, as things really are, God... Who? God. Who? God. Well, I don't want to disappoint my mama, man, you know. Well, mama. Let, let me tell you something. People who are not following God can give you earthly wisdom because it sounds logical, seems feasible. You know, you know great-granddaddy did pioneer this church. 
We've always, always gone there. Ooh, and what gets me is when we, 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 we hold to tradition. I'm Baptist. Born Baptist. I'm holiness. Born holy. Whatever it would no reflection on the denominations. You want to follow God. I came up in a Pentecostal persuasion. And one of the hardest things, conversations I ever had with my father was when I knew God was leading me outside of the dominant outside of that particular denomination, but not God. Y'all missed that. I wasn't leaving God. I'm never going to do that. But he was calling me to a different, he wasn't calling me to remain under that particular denomination. So it took me a while because that's where I grew up. So I thought his response would be, Sister Gilliam, no, you know, this is how you was raised. You know what he said? Son. <laughs> <clears throat> follow God. That's what you do. Now, he, here's the pastor. See, this was a man led by God. He know, see, it ain't about me because you could be here and not flourish because this is not where you're supposed to be. Son, if you're going to flourish, you need to be where God. That was it. Son, follow God. Stay with God. See, that's how we need to be is, no, man, you grandma, turn over in that grave if she knew you. Yeah, but you could die spiritually there because you're holding on to tradition and religion. But now, as they really are, God has placed and arranged the parts in the body, each one of them, just as he willed and saw fit with the best balance and function so he knows where you will work best. He knows where there is an anointing for you. And to explain it, you can go somewhere and I've been in place before. You, you know, you and you you enjoy you, you enjoy literally everything about the service, but still you're like, something missing. Still uh, can't put my finger on it. Why? Because there was no anointing there for you. So here's what you have to remember. Number one, God sets the members in the body as it pleases him. That's why during the invitation, you always hear me say, if you feel as though the Spirit of God is leading you, we don't want you just to join, just join. If God's not leading you, you need to keep, you need to stay, you come and do as you please until you hear where God wants you. You hear? So you have to remember that if you're in the place where God wants you, remember this now, the devil's son will do everything he can to get you out of the place where God has placed you. Why? Because he knows that you're going to function best where God has placed you. So his job to know that his job is uh, that if he knows that you are where you're going to flourish, let me get him or her out of that spot. And for most, they just end up being religious, going through the motions. So if God places me somewhere, the devil is going to do anything he can, watch this, to offend you 
and get you out of your spot. I said again, if you are where God called you to be, Satan will use anybody, anything to keep you offended. And I'm telling you, those who are wounded worshipers are believers who live in a state of constant offense, being that they take every little thing. Every, I mean, every, and the reason being is because they're not lovers of the word. Great peace have those that love your law or your word, and nothing offends them. That's Psalms 119, 165. So in other words, when I submit... To be a lover of the word is someone who agrees with the word of God. And since I agree with him in every aspect, man of God, nothing offends me. So the, now, when I say that, that doesn't mean that we're going to see here that offense doesn't come. No, it's going to come. But it's up to me whether or not I take it. It's just because you got offended. All of us who get offended, daughter, doesn't mean that we take it. I mean, we allow it to take root. Let me tell you something. You live long enough. <laughs> I would write this down. Just the first thing you need to realize that the opportunity to be offended is not going anywhere. Let me tell you something. If you think you won't be offended again, you're setting yourself up for a, a, a great displeasure. Great displeasure. You're going to be offended. Some may today. But here's the thing. Just because I'm offended doesn't mean I allowed it to take root. See, some of us get offended, and we shake it off. We don't charge it to your heart. Perhaps she's having a bad day. I know her and her husband going through. Yeah, I know he just lost his job. So, so we don't take it personally. You allow the word to fortify. You, you, you trust whatever the situation is with God. Are you here? So Satan will use anything he can to keep you that's why, and here's a nugget, that's why whenever someone takes an offense, they immediately stop giving. Look, see, there you don't went the money. I'm not just referring to money. They stop giving of their time, their talents, gifts, resources. In other words, they, they slowly but surely begin to isolate themselves. That's why a man who isolates himself, we've seen this in previous weeks, he seeks his own desire. So now I got another agenda in mind. Well, how can you say that? Because where your treasures are, there your heart would be also. And when I stop participating, we know something's done got in your heart. You used to call me every day. Said, see, okay, he, he, she offended now. She ain't calling me all week, usually every day. Girl, let's go to lunch. I ain't heard from her all week. Are you offended? Used to come to church, worship every Sunday, participate in everything. Thing, excuse me. Thing for some. Are you with me? Let me show you something. So, so, so. One of the things we got to do, and we said this last week, you got to be a good guarder of your heart. And let me, tell you, let me tell you something. When you get where God has placed you, again, if this is where he placed me, I may not like everything about everything. 
And one of the most things, you know what it takes me as parents, we want our kids to obey me. Do what I say. But as adults, we don't like correction. We don't like people to tell us what to do. We don't like to take in who I'm grown, I'm older than him. He can, see, we, see, that's an immature Christian. It's kind of oxymoron. You want your children to obey you, but I don't want to obey where God, the, the, the leader that God has placed over me. No, uh-uh. You do yourself a great disservice. So we got to get to a place where I can take correction. I can take rebuke, instruction. Even, oh, even if he kind of rubbed me the wrong way, hey, still no reason to let the offense take root? I don't believe that. Just st- stay put for a second. Are you here? I- anybody in leadership, not just a pastor, it could be somebody that's over me in ministry or that, I, that I'm submitted to. So, so I have to get to the place See, again, when I'm a lover of the word, nothing offends me. Well, I was late. So, you know, he could have said it a different way, you know, but I was late. See, well, we, we, who did me? Oh, okay. <laughs> we got to do better. That's a sign of immaturity. If you forever live in a state of offense, you need to grow up spiritually. Hebrews 13, 17. Yeah, th- th- this part is going to be a two-parter. We're still in worship. But see, see, one of the reasons why we couldn't, I, why Holy Spirit just didn't take us straight to that text. You remember times past, weeks previous, previously, uh, I said we're going to work our way up to the conversation with Jesus and the woman of Samaria. Because there's no use of going straight to that and there are things in the way. <laughs> hands lifted and they heavy and the things I'm dealing with haven't dealt with obey oh, wait hold on did, did, did y'all see that no 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 that was the volume just how y'all said obey your spiritual leaders and submit to why are you why are you whispering this verse the last verse and the Lord said obey no say it like you loved say it like you believe you were God called you to be obey your spiritual leaders and submit to them recognizing their authority over you for they, listen, 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 watch this. For they are keeping watch over your souls. Admit there's a day, there's not a day that don't go by where we're not interceding on your behalf, setting ourselves in agreement for whatever you believe in God for. And there are those of you we are called, there are those of you, whatever the situation is. Why? Because we, are, have, we have the responsibility to watch over your soul. And are keeping watch over your souls and continually guarding your spiritual welfare as those who will what? Give it. See, we have to give an account to God for our stewardship over you. Let them, see, let them do this with joy and not with grief and groans. See, it's not profitable for you. 
When every time pastors say something to me, I get bent and broke out of shape. No, it's not pride. I don't want to do that. I want to show that I am a mature believer. I've been here up 10 years. And I can take it now. Why? Because there's maturity. See, why, why wouldn't that be beneficial to you? See, if you don't recognize, then I'll stop receiving. Since I don't recognize and reverence you now, man of God, I stop receiving from you. And it's just like a mother nursing a child. Now I can't get what I'm supposed to get to be healthy and grow. Are you here? Matter of fact, 2 Timothy, uh, Timothy 3 tells us, around verse 16 and 17, look, all this correction and rebuke and instruction is so you can be better. So you won't be around here offended all the time. So you learn how to shake stuff off and keep moving. Oh, not be ghosting where you are a part of. In your spot, your place goes lacking. Why? Because you, you still, hey, daughter, is that Adrian? Good to, you was here last week, weren't you? Good to see you. You moved up here now? Amen. All the way from Alabama. One of our spiritual daughters. Good to see you. Amen. That's y'all sister. Where y'all looking at me? Yeah. That's you guys' sister. Well, y'all know her. I'm saying y'all, I mean, I know her. But see, she wouldn't do that offended. She's not going to drive. How many hours it take you to drive up here? See, you're not going to drive five, six hours offended. This folk live across the street. They're offended. They won't even skip the church. First, first, first Peter 2, let's begin at verse 18. Beloved, you not taking offenses is for your welfare. You don't hurt me by holding anything. You hurt yourself. And, and let me prove that an offended brother is harder to win than a gated city. And the reason why it's so hard because, again, once you start receiving and, and, and reverencing, you become that much more resistance. So you can hear a message all day, and, 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 and it'll go in one ear. And why? Because you're so gripped on whatever the offense is. It, now, it's a choice. Yeah, it's a choice. I mean, I can stop the offense from coming, but it's my choice whether or not I want it to take root or not. I can stop you before you said something crazy, but it's up to me whether or not I let the erroneous comment that came out of your mouth affect me or not. See the difference? Servants, be submissive to Now, masters, it's not, I know earlier days, slave masters used that to, to lord over people. This is not talking about master, it's in slavery. This word master just literally means an authority, an authority figure, someone who exercises complete jurisdiction of you. So it doesn't mean master as in massa. So I'm not your master, don't want to be your master. I'm just a shepherd ordained by God to oversee his flock. 
Okay? So service B, what? Submissive to your master with all pro- see, proper respect. Not only to those who are good and kind, but also to those who are unreasonable. Now, let, let me say this because as pastors, we're maturing and growing also. So we have to, as we've seen in, in previous weeks, we have to allow, uh, what is it, make allowances for each other's faults. Not condoning everything uh, you do and making excuses, but, but you have to realize, she's growing. He's still growing. And, and the truth be told, those of you who have been with us for a while, you probably can say, Pastor Rick, I've seen your growth. Just like I've seen your growth. Yeah. Man, some of you, man, gave me hell. You don't give me hell anymore. I'm not naming names. <laughs> and those make the best saints, the ones. No, no, I'm talking about the ones who can take correction, can take rebuke, and they bounce back. That makes them that much more stronger. Pastor, I got you back. I, I was wrong, Pastor. I got, yeah, I'm good. It shouldn't have to be when, when I'm chasing. You okay? I'm just calling now. You all right? You sure? All right. You need some money? Okay. You're not crying, are you? All right. You come to church Sunday? You sure? Okay now. You want me to call and remind you? We shouldn't have to go through all that. Oh, God. Because you get offended on your job all the time and they don't never call you. But guess where you at the next morning? Clock it in. Watch this, verse 19. So, so, so I need to submit to those who are, what, good and kind, as well as those who seem to be unreasonable. Verse 19, for this finds favor. Do y'all see this? If a person endures the sorrow of, again, favor, grace, suffering unjustly because of an unawareness of the will of God. Verse 20. After all, what kind of credit is there if when you do wrong and are punished for it, you, 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 do it, you endure it patiently? But if, you, but if when you do what is right and patiently bear it, Undeserved serving. This finds favor with God. I think the King James used uh, commanded or whatever that commendable. There you're commendable, which in the Greek is literally the word charis, grace. So when we honor and submit to, to God's authority, guess what? There's a grace on our lives that enables me to even when you've done me wrong, I'm still going to be where God has placed me. Oh, boy, are you here? Watch this, verse 21. For as a believer, you have been called for this purpose. Since Christ suffered for you, leaving you, who's our example? Christ, so that you may follow his footsteps. Verse 22. He committed no sin, nor deceit ever found in him. While being reviled and insulted, what's your response to an insult? Do you do like Jesus? 
He's your example. And, and see, a lover of the word, daughter, will respond like Jesus responds. Why? Because they're living in agreement with his word. While being reviled and insulted, he did not revile or insult in return. While suffering, he made no threats of vengeance. I'm going to show them. See, that's a sign of immaturity. Now, your friend has entrusted you with something near and dear to them because they felt like our friends. But the moment I feel insulted, first thing people do, slander. Offense comes from the Greek word scandalin, from which we get the English word scandal or scandalize. So that's why anytime somebody's offended, they start scandalizing, insulting. So now they're telling all your secrets. So, so the, the best thing you should do is give your secrets to Jesus. Because I'm going to tell you, as soon as Susie get upset, Susie will. Well, you know she got a hump on her neck, don't you? She's been trying to get rid of it for, let me tell you what she's been taking for it. How many of us did that before? Raise your hand, shame the devil. Ooh, y'all some, boy, tell the truth. Tell the truth. We all done done it. I've done it before, probably, years ago when I was a kid <laughs> in the first, second grade. I'm sure I've done it before. <laughs> but when I matured, I don't do that. There's things saints told me, and I still, stuff that pastor may not know because it was told in, in, in counseling, and it, it's, it's no need to repeat it. For what? Even, even when they still do, what? that's none of your business. Why? Because I've entrusted it to God. Them the kind of friends you need that know that if she get mad at me, she will not go running her mouth. So you better test that thing first. Just throw a little, throw them a bone. Just not, nothing real. Just throw a little bone. Okay, you know I got, you, you know I got about fifty thousand dollars in my house. Then, then when they get mad, we'll know if it get back on the street. Okay, I can't tell her anything else. <laughs> Look what Jesus did. While suffering, he made. No threats of vengeance, but kept, but kept entrusting himself to him who justifies fairly. So in other words, with the offense, whatever the situation is, I don't understand, I don't know what happened, but I'm going to entrust God with this. Why? So I can be empowered. By his grace. So I can still keep functioning and living my life as he desires. Why? Because I'm entrusting him with it. I'm not saying it's going to feel good. But if I do it his way, man, you, you will excel a whole lot faster. Listen, because when you hold it, it holds you. Are you here? So just because we're mistreated does not give us permission to hold on to the offense. Two wrongs, and it's never made it right. You hear? We're talking about a wounded worshiper. 
What does Holy Spirit wish to convey when I say wounded worshiper? Understand this. We're talking about a believer who willfully chooses to harbor offenses. We're talking about a believer who what? Willfully chooses to harbor an offense. What does willfully mean? It means when offense came, I took the bait. I allowed it to take root. We're talking about those who choose to remain hindered by hurts. You're saying, she hurt me, he hurt me, and I let it take, I'm going to hold on to this thing. And I heard people say, I never forgive them. What you're saying is that when you say things like that, you're saying you're never going to free yourself. And let me tell you something. Forgiveness doesn't mean you are releasing the person from the offense. No, you're just freeing yourself from being held prisoner by the offense. It doesn't mean that you're going to forget it. Because some people think you're supposed to forget. No, 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 no. Let me tell you something. It's not that you forget, but the true essence of forgiveness is to respond as if it never happened. Now, I remember exactly what your trifling self did. But since I forgave you, when I see you, I treat you as if it never happened. I ain't forget. Some things you're never going to forget. So whoever told you, oh, I forget. No, no, bro. No, I forgave you, but I didn't forget it. And I treat you like I forgave you. Again, the true, es- the true essence of forgiveness is to respond to you as if you never done anything to me. That's an indication that I really forgave you. If I really didn't forgive you, oh, you and not why I'm still salty. Snapping. All the little things that go with it. Y'all, we know, those of us who've been there when we were immature. Are you here? Just think about it. Whatever you got against somebody, you choose to hold it. And uh, I'm going to tell you, the more you think on it, the devil's going to, he can throw you bones and reasons to, yeah, 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 yeah. Remember, you don't gave him one time before. Are you guys here? Let me show you something. So we're talking about a believer who willfully chooses to harbor offenses. Again, those who remain hindered by the hurts. So I'm not talking about those who have entrusted God with their hurts and pains and their walking in his grace. We're not talking about those because there are a lot of people who are wounded by no matter, it could be anything, I don't know, various things, but they have entrusted those hurts to God. No, we're talking about people who willfully choose to remain offended. You hear? So a true worshiper entrust their all to God. Where did you get that? We just seen Jesus when he was insulted. He entrusted it to the one who judges fairly. So a true worshiper will entrust all their hurts and offenses to who? To God. And let me say this. If there's resentment in my heart, bitterness, hatred, harboring unforgiveness, I have not entrusted my all to God. If those things are, if, if that residue is still around and I'm responding out of these emotions, rest assured, you have not entrusted that thing to God. 
Are you with me? What's happening now, you are allowing fear to prevent you from experiencing true worship. Why? Because I, it, fear keeps you holding on to it. Wow, I don't want to be hurt again. I want to experience that again. That's part of the, your brain protecting you from hurt. But again, I must respond to the word. Not releasing you or denying that the thing happened, but I'm entrusting it with God. Listen, uh, settle the fact today that you may not be there now, and nobody's looking for it, but offense, the opportunity will come again. You may go a whole year. Well, I doubt anybody been that long. You may go a whole week. Yeah, it's hard to go a year and not be offended or not allow it to take root. Are you here? Now, you, you can stop it from taking root, but as far as going, getting offended, no offended, no offense going to come. Now, you might can stop it, and, and that's what we should aim to do. When I say stop it, I'm not allowed this thing to take root because I'm going to entrust it to God. But to go a whole year and nobody not offend you or throw a, a trap in front of you, no, no, that's going to happen. Now, me taking it is up to me. Are you here? So when I refuse to entrust God with the hurt, I'm operating out of fear. And now you're trying to fix it on your own, and it's not going to work. That's where the bitterness comes in. That's where that, that, that trying to sabotage a person. Now, you haven't entrusted. If I'm trying to sabotage you, I'm not entrusting this to God. If I'm slighted, if there's been... Hey, if, if, if now my worship, my giving, my serving, if it's lessening now, guess what? I have not entrusted this thing to God. I'm still holding on to it. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all see, of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. See, your own understanding Well, they double-crossed me. They don't know I just gave my heart to them. They Again, nobody said it. It's going to feel good. That's why you have to entrust God with it. Why? So his grace can saturate you and empower you. Psalm 147, 3, verse 3. He heals. He heals the brokenhearted. He heals the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. Who does it? He heals. See, when you're trusted to God, you get over things a whole lot quicker. Again, there are people who are still wondering, how is it that she can still treat him nice, or has it that he can still love her like that, and we all know what they did. I can tell you how he does it. He entrusted the offense to God. I can tell you exactly how she can still speak to, to her and speak to him. She has entrusted that to God. Fear. 
first point. Let me give you the first point and get to a stopping place, okay? Can we do that? First point, write this down. Trying to worship. It, this is probably one of the, the number one reasons why we need to entrust it with God. And let me tell you something. The, the way the world is going to know that we are Christ's disciples is our love for one another. That's how people know. Not just the world, how we are going to know that we love one another. It's how we treat one another. Our response to. You hear? Trying to worship while wounded will kill your witness. Let's look at this. Trying to worship while wounded will kill your witness. Remember, those who worship wounded, the, the, the wounded worshipers that we're making reference to are those believers who willfully choose to hold offenses. And when you do that, it kills your witness. Let's look at this. Are you here? A couple of things I want to do here. Let's go to Hebrews 12, 14, and 15. Now, bear in mind that the writer of Hebrews, he's writing to people who are being persecuted. You got to remember, he's, he's talking to people who left Judaism to follow Christianity or Christ. And as a result, they met great opposition because they were no longer adherences, adhering to the law of Moses or the sacrificial system that Jesus satisfied. He ended the law. So there were those meeting great opposition because of the persecution from leaving Judaism to Christianity. So, so he, he, he encourages them in, in this regard to make sure that one of the things we got to do is in the midst of that, trust God. And one of the things he's taught in this, Christ is supreme. There is no need for no other. You can trust his system. You can trust his way. This is not an eye for an eye. You hear? So because of them forsaking Judaism, they were fighting bitter opposition. And the danger was that or the danger was that if this stays up, perhaps many will fall back unto that system, which was a works-based system. So he warns them, no, you cling to Jesus. So in essence, he was exhorting them, in spite of the persecution, Keep your hope in Christ. Do it his way. Don't fall back how you, under that old system. And for us, many of us, that old system was, you hit me, I hit you. You shut me down, I shut you down. Christians, it's quiet, quiet. So chapter 12 is an exhortation 
to hope in Christ, okay? Now, one of the things, that, there's a couple of things I want to do because this verse here, the first verse, is a verse that's often taken out of context. And you already know that when, it, when you take uh, something out of context, it becomes a pretext, being that you have now inserted your own presumptions, ideologies onto it. In other words, you have now made it to say what you want it to say. Are you here? So we're going we're gonna to see what he's talking about here. Verse 14, pursue peace with all people and holiness. Oh, and the many preachers have got folk yoked up on this. Without which no one will see the law. If you ain't holy, you're not going to see the law. That's not what he's saying here. We're about to show you what he's talking about. And look, the word sanctified is the Greek word hagios. It means to be set apart, holy. The word saint, excuse me. The mere fact that you are a believer deems you holy. You are holy by virtue of what Jesus did, not by what you do. See, see, if, if, if right here, that, that means then my holiness is based upon what I do. It's not based upon what you do. It's based upon what Jesus did. And when I come into agreement what Jesus did, the practice will correspond with my position, which is holy. Let me show you. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. See, again, oh, in Galatians shows us this. Now, we'll go there in a minute. Anytime we rely on self-effort, we fall short of God's grace. So, again, he wants you to rely on him. Let me show you. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of God's grace, uh, lest any root of bitterness spring up, causing trouble, and by this many become defiled. So this is where we get our first point. When, when I, I try to worship wounded, or when I become a wounded worshiper, it kills my witness. Why? Because now there are many who have been defiled because of my bitterness. And if you've ever been offended, you try to get everybody to take your side. That's why most people who get offended and leave a church, they never leave alone. They always try to attempt to get immature sheep. Not mature sheep. They try to approach people, man of God, they know to just join. Somebody who uh, got one leg in, one leg out, one leg in, then they shake it all about. See, they look for them folks. <laughs> all right, I'll just make sure if y'all are still with me. Look, let's, 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 let's see what, which holiness he's making reference to here. Because a lot of people really are yoked up because they think they're not going to see God because of their practice. They've been told, you're not holy. I am holy. Nothing I've done made me holy. But except Jesus. But nothing work-wise, daughter, has made me holy. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. First, understand this. Believers, you can get this from verse 14. Believers should strive for peaceful relations with all people at all times. First, get that. So when the opportunity 
present itself to be offended, realize I should pursue peace. So I'm not going to let this thing. You hear? Remember, say this, offense. To take an offense, let me say it that way, is my choice. It's coming, but to take it, bro, is, that's my choice. To take, what word did you use? To take, see, when you take it, you, you've taken ownership on it. You said, okay, it's mine now. I got it from here. Now let me tear myself up. Because in essence, that's what happens. It eats you from the inside. You can, let me tell you something. You, I, look, you cannot conceal it. It's like something dead inside of a wastebasket. The wastebasket may be beautiful on the outside, but that sm- you might have it sealed tight to the core. That smell will eventually start seeping out. So in, in what most wounded Christians, they try to dress up on the outside. What I mean by that, not just in their apparel, but they say all the right things. God is good. Oh, how you doing? I'm fine. I'm blessed. How are you? And know that you are wounded because you have chose to hold onto the offense. Haven't slept a peaceful night since you grabbed a hold of it. Restless. You sleep but don't get rest. Yeah. Who are we talking to? Watch this now. So, so, so in, in this exhortation is especially needed, guys. When persecution is prevalent, when, when people are coming at you, why? Because you don't want to, you, as a result, many have defected the faith because they didn't entrust it with God. You will abandon if you don't entrust it to God. Oh, yes, you will. Are you here? Now, understand this. Say this. My holiness is not based on my performance. Write this down. First of all, the believer becomes positionally, someone say positionally. You become positionally, you become positionally holy at the time of your conversion. In other words, the moment you receive Jesus Christ, you have now been set apart, deemed holy, distinguished above others by God. So positionally, I become holy at the time of my conversion, being meaning that the moment you receive salvation, you become holy and didn't do a thing but except Jesus. So positionally, I'm holy when? Not, when you, not as you go. Not when you do something. You're holy then, man. So we're going to see he's not talking about, we're not holy. What, what does he mean here? Okay, let's look at it. So first of all, you have to realize that I become holy at the moment of my conversion. Let's look. 1 Corinthians 1 and 2. Because you got a lot of people yoked up with this. And and stop all that. God not going to forgive you. Don't forgive others. Jesus was still here then. After his body was given, you've been forgiven. God has already forgiven you. Let let me explain that because that means his love is conditional. If he's waiting on you to forgive before he forgives, you're already forgiven. 
And the Bible says since he's forgiven you, now you must also forgive others. Not that he's going to hold it because that's conditional. That's not the God you, you've already been forgiven. And since you've already been forgiven, when it's your time to do it, you should offer it freely. I am writing to God's church in Corinth. To you who have been called by God to be his own holy people. He made you. Ah, bosh. He made you holy by means of Christ Jesus. He made you holy by means of just as he did for all people everywhere who call on the name of the Lord as out and ours. So the moment you receive Jesus, you have been made some of, you, some of you may not be able to do this because you're you still processing what I'm saying. But those of you who are free, you're going to say it. Say this. I'm holy. I'm holy. Believe that thing. Yeah. See, so you're thinking about the, the indiscretion yesterday. I'm holy. I'm holy. So you got to get this because you probably see somebody on Facebook today. Oh, where I'm telling you, you're going to hell because you're not holy. Well, first of all, Rev, when I received Jesus, he made me holy. Now I hear God leading me over to SGFC. Bye. <laughs> Y'all know I'm for real. Y'all know I'm for real. He made you holy by means of, so how did he make you holy? By me, not by your means. Let, let me show you one more. Let's move on. Hebrews 10 and 10. I'm telling you, religion has put a burden on believers that they're unable to endure. When I say religion, man trying to justify himself, make himself right before God by his performance, you will never do it. And in accordance with this will of God, we who believe in the message of salvation, have, have, the word sanctified, holy, interchangeable, same word, have been sanctified. That is, meaning, what he's saying is we have been set apart as holy for God and his purposes. Through the, How? Through who? Through the offering. <laughs> you get in this. Huh? No, because you was looking at me like you was like, man, this is good. Yeah. Then, too, I was making sure you weren't asleep. The long eyelashes on. I couldn't tell where. But. But I, listen to what she said. She said, it's helping me. See, that's being real. But we can deal with that in a second. Yeah. She can be good. Yeah. I'm going to trust God with it before I leave. 
Watch this. So, so, so have been set up, that is set up holy for God and its purposes through what? The offering of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Wait, hold on. When? When? He did it. One time for all time. So you're holy. The world didn't give it. And the world can't take it away. Rev didn't give it. And Rev can't take it away. Christ made you holy. So by virtue of our, our union with Christ, we are sanctified, made holy forever. Do y'all see this? So having said that, write this down. There's what we call practical or progressive sanctification of holiness. What, what did I just say? You can, the same word, practical or progressive. Progressive. So there's what we call what? Practical or you can say progressive sanctification of holiness. This is what we should be doing every day. Living a life that's set apart to God. Okay? In other words, we should separate ourselves from anyone or anything that prevents us from growing more and more like Christ. See, if we go to verse 1 in the same chapter of Hebrews chapter 12, he'll tell us, you know, lay away, lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets you. So there is progressive or practical sanctification. That's me living in accordance with my position every day. Okay? 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 5. So the inference here, what we're about to see, is a plea for purity. I'm just showing you um, how <clears throat> that there's practical or progressive sanctification. That's what we do with every day, right? For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. Uh, listen. Or anything, not just sexual immorality, because somebody take this and they'll be doing, they'll stop this and be doing every other thing. So when we're talking about sin, it literally means a missing of the mark by falling short of the standard of God. So sin is anything that falls short of the standard of God. If that's not a standard by which God wants me to live, then I need to stay away from it. Are you here? So, so, uh, that each of you, verse 4, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel, what? In sanctification and honor. Not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Okay, so people who don't know God live any kind of way. But those of us who know God, our practice corresponds with our position. Okay? Again, living in agreement. I love what he loves and hate what he hates. Then there's what we call... So we got practical. Y'all got that? Then we got we see we seem positional, right? We seem practical, right? What did we see positional? Where? Where? Y'all, you, you got it. I can't move on to you. I know you got it. 
So first there's positional sanctification or holiness. We get that at the time of conversion. Then there is practical. That's what we should be doing every day. Okay? Then finally there is complete or perfect sanctification of holiness. This takes place when a believer goes to heaven. So in the presence of Jesus, you are now free forever from ever falling short again or from sin. His state is perfectly, this is when your, your, your state perfectly corresponds to his standing. Are you here? So there's positional holiness, progressive or practical, and perfect. Let me see if you got this real quick. Positional is what? Hey, Morgan. Positional is when you, okay. Then there's practical is what you do every day. Then there's perfect holiness. And listen, the only way you can get that, did you say upper room? <laughs> Man. Now, I don't know what that is. But when you see Jesus face to face, you get <laughs> Now, okay, we got that right. Positional, practical, perfect. Now, having said that, when we go back to verse 14, which holiness are we to pursue? Boy, y'all a good class. Which one? Which one? You're right. Obviously, it's practical. Why? Because, well, we know he's talking about, go, go back to Hebrews 12, 14. It's practical sanctification that's in view here. Why? Because we do not strive for positional sanctification. We got that. That's ours automatically. And we do not strive for perfect sanctification because you can't get that until you meet him face to face. So we know right here he's talking about Pursue positional holiness, for without no one can see the Lord. So what he's talking, it's an exhortation. Not only was it an exhortation to the Jews, but for us, it's for believers everywhere. So what he was saying is that when you practice or when you, there's no practice of uh, this type of holiness, no, when it says which no one can see the Lord, no, it kills your witness because when you don't live a life that corresponds with your position, they cannot see the God that you serve. That's what he's saying right here. They can't see him. So again, it kills your witness. So, again, in context here, the exhortation is to born-again Jews and believers everywhere who had, you got to remember, there were those that were leaving, the, that, had, that had left that old system. And because of, which was a works-based system, and because of the persecution, many were being tempted to go back. So he was telling them, listen, man, no, no. In the midst of being persecuted, stick with Jesus. Live for him. Cling to him tenaciously. Do not leave your newfound faith. 
So the Jews, listen, they were warned that a hypocritical Christian, that a hypocritical, that, let me say it again, the Jews are warned that a hypocritical Christian life would cause unsaved Jews to turn away. So when we live a hypocritical life, it would turn those who are unsaved or may even think about uh, becoming a believer, it turns them away. Why? Because my, posi- my position or my practice looks nothing like my position, so it kills the witness. So he's talking about progressive or practical sanctification. So when it says, pursue peace without all uh, and, and holiness without no one will see the Lord. When it says, when, which no one will see the Lord, if my practice doesn't correspond with my position, how can people see the God that I say I serve? Watch this. And, and, and watch this. And we, now, we're talking about in, in the midst of being persecuted. So when I'm being persecuted, it's vitally, vitally important that my practice looks like who I say I am. If not, it could turn you away. And I submit to you, not just heathens, Christians have turned away because of another nasty disposition of other, another Christian who didn't understand their position. Notice, who, we seen who was our example. When he was reviled, what did he do? Did he, he go in? Now, again, th- that's why we have to, notice, this is why we have to do it every day to strengthen those convictions. So you just can't do it on Sunday because you might fall during the week. Now, we're maturing, but you have to do it every day. It's going to be hard if you try to do it on Sunday, then you skip all week long because Friday you may have an encounter where you, and it's done killed your witness. So, in succinct, this verse speaks of our witness before men in this life. As we abide in Jesus, Others can see Jesus in us. So without practical sanctification, others will not see Jesus in us. That's what it means. Not that you won't see. You already holy, so you're going to see God. But it's when you're going through, when you're being offended, and when things happen, that people really need to see him. See, back to Peter. You know, what good is it? I mean, you're doing the right things, and there's nothing, and you're you happy all the day long. But, you know, it's when you meet opposition that we really see, do you believe the practice? <laughs> we know if you believe your position, if your practice, how do I know that I'm a lover or I understand my position? When your practice corresponds with my position. Great peace. Have those that love your life, and nothing disturbs their practice. You can still, or nothing offends them. In other words, your practice will still line up with your position. Are you here? Verse 15, let's get to a stopping place. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. See, let me tell you something. When you rely on self-effort, when you try to do it on your own, that's when bitterness takes root because you're relying on what you can do and not what he has done. Lest any root of bitterness spring up cause what? Trouble. And by this, many will be 
the foul. Again, you can show up for that hearing. We know from Galatians 5, 4 that whenever we, whenever we rely on our own effort, we have fallen from grace. We have fallen from God's undeserved, unmerited favor. You have become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be what? Justified by, by, again, he was talking to those who were trying to justify themselves by keeping the law, which these people were tempted to go back. You have fallen from grace. So in other words, when I try to do it on my own, you have fallen from, you're relying on self. And you always make a mess of things when you rely on self and not God. Are you here? And understand that bitterness is a particular poison that starts when we cling to anger and resentment and start holding the grudge. I'm telling you, it doesn't get good. And by clinging to it means we refuse to let Jesus be the judge. When you hold on to it, you say, Lord, I got this. <laughs> and, and what happens, and in seeking to punish others, we mainly punish ourselves. So when you hold on to it, guess who is hurting the most? And, and stop doing this, and the Bible speaks of this. Stop finding an issue with someone who has done nothing to you Watch this. And you have offended yourself because that's your cousin. You, you know how the offense may have occurred between me and you, daughter. But now your whole team is mad at me because of something that. So why would I put myself in harm's way and you have done nothing to me? So what you should be saying is, son, listen, you need to get yourself together. I'm not going to be mad at pastor because you're mad at pastor. Even to your friends, girl, look, she ain't did a thing to me. <laughs> Sister Susie has been good to me, and I will not be upset with her because you got an issue with. Oh, it's quiet. You, 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 you know why is the, the response like that? Because we have bought into blood, thick in the water. That's my blood. That's my family. Yeah, but what about the God that you say you serve? What about that? What about your God? And from the root of business springs anger, wrath, ill speaking, hatred, envy, jealousy. And see, here's the thing. By focusing on the offense we have endured, we cannot focus on the race that's set before us, which is the reward of living in agreement or pleasing God in the sense of doing his word. And we see this in Hebrews 12, 23. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3, for considering him, again, we've seen earlier in 2 Peter that Jesus is our example. So when you're going through, consider him who endures such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. See, in your soul. So when I don't entrust it to him, that's why so many become weary. And this, I'm just, I'm just, I don't know if I want to go back to church. When you talk like that, you, 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 you haven't given it to God. You're trying to do it yourself. I don't know if I still want this relationship. See, you, you haven't given it to God. Okay. Bitterness among believers would defile their ability to run the race. It causes trouble, leading us to come short of the grace of God. 
in essence, you are saying that you will handle it your way and not God's way. And let me say this. The key to fighting bitterness is forgiveness. The key to fighting bitterness is forgiveness. In other words, what you're saying is that you're taking your hurt and you are handing it over to God. That's what you're saying. Now, we'll get to this next week. Point two, write this down, the point, and we'll get to it. And I didn't even give you the definition of offense, but I will. The opportunity become, to become offended will not cease. The opportunity to become offended will not cease. But allowing it to take root is my choice. So write that down. You got it? So listen, we become sanctified positionally the moment we receive Jesus. Our daily responsibility is that our walk should correspond, or our practice should correspond with my position. And once you meet Jesus face to face, then you will forever experience perfect holiness. But here's the thing. When things come at me, when offenses try to come in things, in, in issues or troubles, and my practice doesn't look like my position. Again, Jesus is our example. It kills the witness. Why? Because although you say you're a lover of Jesus, I cannot see Jesus in you. And let me tell you something. It's easy to do good when things are going good. What about when things become rocky? Can we, see, can we still see Jesus? For without progressive sanctification, others cannot see Jesus in you. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Every head bow, every eye closed.